Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a Chief Evangelist? That's what we're exploring at ChiefEvangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from the CEO and co-founder of Be The Stage. He lives and works at the intersection of category design, evangelism, and community. He hosts the Category Thinkers podcast. He hosts the B2B Community Builder Show, I was excited to see his story in Mark Schaefer's latest book on community as the last great marketing strategy. And I was even more excited to see him in person for the first time a few weeks ago. Pablo Gonzalez, welcome to Chief Evangelist. Ethan, I am super pumped to be here, man. I don't know if I don't know if any other guest says this, but uh, I've listened to 100% of all of your episodes and I'm your biggest fan. So I'm really excited to listen to myself at some point. That's awesome. Uh, you will. Absolutely. I mean, you and I have been having this conversation um, before the show existed. Uh, and you, I'm really excited to have this conversation on the show now that it does exist. Yeah. And you know exactly where we start. And I'm going to start here with you too, Pablo, which is the most important job of an evangelist. Yeah. And I might have come here with the most prepared and most like over-engineered answer. But my answer is, to me, the chief evangelist's role is to be the tip of the spear of the point of view and use that point of view to create content leverage and drive community around the problem that you are trying to solve. Okay. We're going to spend 10 minutes peeling that apart because I hear all the pieces, maybe not 10, um, but I hear all the separate pieces. And by the way, nice done on, nice job on point of view and tip of the spear. Those two things work together, even though they're totally different. But, um, so, so uh, to the end, you know, it's the problem that you solve. So we'll definitely talk about that. Content and community. Um, I think those are uh, very critical aspects. I think some people would talk about them in the context of at least content in terms of thought leadership, but it really ultimately is content, whether or not you want to position as thought leadership or not. Um, point of view, uh, I think is where we'll start. And then, actually, no, let's start with this. We'll start where you started. Let's start with tip of the spear. But tip of the spear, Ethan, I think we're going to get to this, I'm sure, afterwards in this in the podcast. But my my interest in evangelism comes from a deep need to figure out what I'm good at. And when I think about the reason why I have been put into evangelist roles now, formal, semi-formal, however you want to put it. But more importantly, the things that have worked for me that have built community and have, you know, echo with category design and all this stuff is the idea that I've always been obsessed about something and my obsession with that thing puts me into the room to have conversations about it with people to try to vet who else cares about it and those who care about it, how they want to communicate about it, what lands for them, what doesn't land for them. And I very much believe that to be an evangelist, you need to have that mentality, whether it is walking around every single nonprofit networking room in Miami for eight years, evangelizing sea level rise, 
or it's putting daily content out on LinkedIn, you need to be in a town square scenario where you are testing the messaging that you're using around the things that you believe to see who else is an ally and who else needs your help and who else you can um, bring together around the problem. So that to me is the tip of the spears, a person that is out there in the market iterating. Yeah, man, I, there's so much good stuff in there. I really, what I heard in it myself, part of what I heard in that, and I, you know, when I'm a podcast listener, not a podcast host, I just wanted these things to myself and I get to share them for your reaction to it. You know, I hear kind of the seeds of a movement, right? I am passionate and I'm obsessed. Uh, that's something we've kind of heard at the beginning of these conversations before. Definitely the passion piece, not necessarily the obsession, but then taking it out to market to um, start to find out. Now I'm hearing elements of community. Who else thinks this way? And and part of it is, again, like testing and validating some of your own ideas, testing and validating, validating some of the language because it doesn't really exist. Um, and so that's why I hear in this, like the seeds of a movement. Now, logically, as you're doing this out in the market, you're developing your own ideas, you're testing them, you're vetting them, you're getting other people around you that kind of think and feel the same way and they're kind of sharing their perspective and it's shaping yours. Now we're getting to the development a little bit of a point of view. So go there and A, react to anything I just said or B, build that bridge into point of view. Yeah, and listen, I, I totally agree with you. Every Everything you just said there, to me, the what you are really trying to get to is how you can phrase the story of what is important in a way that'll get the most people to identify with it and want to enroll into the mission as opposed to, you know, be as opposed to how can you convince as many people as possible? I see it more as like, how do I craft the perfect bat signal to attract the exact bat that I want to come to it versus, you know, this idea of just like, how am I selling this thing better? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you made me think of like, um, inbound ideas, you know, like just yeah. attracting, you know, yeah. creating it and, and allowing people to come around it. Um, okay. Point of view, it comes up from time to time, but I feel like you dwell in this a lot, certainly with your work with category thinkers, because point of view is so critical there for people who aren't familiar with that language in this context, break it down. However you like, I would love to. And I, and I got to give a lot of credit to my co-founders at category thinkers, Mike Damphouse and John Ruggie, who have borrowed like an artist for a lot of these things. But um, in category design, you learn that if you are going to become a category king, which essentially means dominate 76% of the market economics, then what you need to be doing is evangelizing a problem versus evangelizing your product or your brand or your solution or, or, or whatever you're doing, right? You have to make it about a problem and the ideal envelope to hand someone to to evangelize a problem, right? Like the packaging of it is known as the point of view, com commonly referred to as a POV. And the POV, many people have different formulas of what, um, how much of each ingredient goes into it. But the base ingredients are the state of the world as it exists right now, the problem with that, the ramifications of that problem and how they are perceived and how they are felt, the new way of doing it, right? Like what is this new category? Imagine it this, right? Like the, the new solution, which is generally the new category. And then 
the future state of the world with this new solution in place, which is almost like use cases, right? So you talk about it as, um, I'll give you, I'll give you, for example, the, the point of view of my biggest client, which is a turnkey rental property investing company in Jacksonville, Florida. And it's this idea that as people are, as people are trying to save for retirement and, 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 and retirement planning in general is broken, right? Like people are not getting to retirement with as much um, as they thought they needed, you know, to live off of it. And then when they get there, you know, they've been in this like hamster wheel of saving, saving, saving to then um, for growth to then be able to pull cash flow from it. But once you get there, if something goes wrong, you you can't really take risks with that money. You were kind of like bound to this just like cash flow scenario of that number that ING had told you that you needed to get to. And there's really nothing you can do about it. But we're living longer. People are, you know, inflation has hit and things are going up. So people are, are either not saving enough or when they get there, they saved what they thought, but it didn't really work. So what if instead of instead of thinking this way of growth for a while and then cash flow, what have you thought of a cash flow growth portfolio that continues to grow in the cash flow that you get over time? Even in retirement, it continues to grow in the cash flow that you're getting. That would provide a much more stable income in that time and less volatility due to market subjects. And the truth of the matter is that the best way to do that is through real estate. And if you can invest in this asset and blah, 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 right? Then I start to, then I start to talk about the product, but by framing it by this problem, by the state of the world and this problem and the ramifications and this new idea, then I can talk about this different use cases later. And it engages the viewer into like self-identifying into it and wanting to go on that journey. Yeah, really well done. And that is, um, I put that in the camp. I, I, I generally separate innovation into two camps. One of them is solving a known problem in a new and different way where people aren't seeing the problem with the current solutions, which is what you just broke down. You know, uh, we have some, you know, we all know this is a thing, but we're not doing it right. So therefore the solutions are inadequate for a lot of people. A lot of the time, let's talk about a couple of other ways that we could and should and would be thinking about it. And then ultimately uh, potentially a product discussion. The other one, of course, is solving a problem people don't even know that they have. Retirement is not in that category. I think yeah. most people know that they don't have enough save no matter where they are in that path. Um, and the majority of people are in that camp. Really well done. Um, I don't think we really need to talk about um, content and community at this stage. And you already pulled this idea of a problem orientation rather than a product orientation because we'll get to community in a minute. Yeah. But what I'd like to dwell in for a moment is... If I would, I would like Please. also just to reframe, to just to tie it to the tip of the spear conversation side of it. When I say content, I don't, I'm not talking about blogs or, or specifically about blogs or books or micro content videos or podcasts or whatever. I, I really, when I say this idea of like content leverage, I, I, I really do think of when I am, when I am inside of a room networking and I go from you to tell you my POV and then see how it echoes and then the next person I tweak it a little bit differently. I see that as just like changing the content of my conversation, which will then lead to the speeches or the or the or the or the internet video content or the LinkedIn post or whatever, right? So like I just to to me the the way that you introduce yourself is content, right? So it's just like when I say content, it's just like this the way that you communicate whatever you're doing is the the fundamental part of that content piece. But I'll I just wanted to clarify that for the tip of this peer part. 
I really appreciate that. It may, makes me think now of like um, uh, connection and communication. Uh, it's just, and just content is a quicker word for it. Yeah. Um, so good. And I also like the word leverage too, by the way. It's this idea. Well, actually, let's spend a minute on that too. I don't mean to be all, let's talk about all the words, but I can, you kind of make me want to. So when I think about leverage here, it's like I think about how can I get people to that light bulb moment or that aha moment or to their their personal follow-up question faster. I think the more thought we put into, and I love your example, so I'll go there, like how we introduce ourselves can take someone somewhere that they should probably be going or orient them in a direction or, again, maybe even turn that light bulb on or have them ask a follow-up question that gets them to their place relative to this problem or opportunity or POV or whatever. Um, I love the use of the word leverage. I said my observation. Uh, man, I'm, I'm glad that you're into it because that is a, that languaging is something that I've really just started fiddling around with maybe like two, three weeks ago, right? Like I've got this, like one of those giant post-it notes where I wrote content leverage right in front of me because it hit me that we use leverage around every facet of business that is important for growth, right? Like financial leverage, um, operational leverage, right? Like how quickly we can grow and that type of stuff, technological leverage. And we have, and, and we have people at the C-suite that are in charge of all these things and we have it categorized as such. And yet, if you want to talk about a POV and like a, a, a from two, right? We've, we've gone from a world where our, the amount of content leverage we could create, I, I think of the content leverage as what you talked about. Number one, how does the message that you're saying, how does it hit quicker, right? That's like the input. But then the distribution around content leverage has really exploded. That's been a major, major change in context, right? Like from the, from the hardware that you need to create content to the distribution channels that you can put it on that are free to the skill sets around it all, you know, generationally, that's really greatly accelerated. And I really do believe that content, aka communication and better speaking and better ways of saying things and packaging things for the context that you need is, is one of the things like money, like uh, labor, and like technology that can literally affect every single piece of the business from HR to marketing, to sales, to operations, to customer success. And I really think we need to be thinking about it that way, which is why I believe so much in the future of the chief evangelist role. Yeah, the, um, the, the idea of all the commodity content that is out there now and it's going to proliferate at some dramatic pace because so many people will simply put in a probably, and I know I'm being very uh, judgmental and lazy in this, but I think it's approximately true, put in kind of a lazy prompt, take the output almost exactly as is, maybe switch a couple words out and publish it, whatever publish means, say it post it, share it, send it, whatever, ask for someone's time and attention relative to this kind of essentially commoditized content without having done the work. When I think about um, real leverage in content or in communication, I think about doing the thought, doing the design, just to pick up on category design, doing the design of the idea, the message, the metaphor or the analogy, um, doing that work up front 
so that it's so much faster and easier for all of the people, a potential hire, you know, the internal stakeholders, a prospect, a customer, uh, an integration partner, some community member, anyone in the ecosystem can understand and get to where they should be faster because you did the work once early on to figure out how to articulate it, structure it, um, maybe build some inquiry around it so that people are thinking and answering the question for themselves, all the different ways that we can get people to the ideas that they need to have. Um, you do that work up front and then you can use it over and over and over again in all these different situations and people start to see the world more your way. 100%. And, and what you've added to my thinking in this, Ethan, is that like I just thought of content leverage as like the production and distribution post, right? But the that pre-thinking and the pre-design and the packaging, as you describe it, to me is another category of that leverage. And we're both, you know, we're both evangelizing similar things, right? Human-centered communication is the idea of the marriage of both of those things. It's not like, yeah, you can get content leverage by um, lazy prompts on, on ChatGPT and spreading it out, but that's not going to be as leveraged as a really well-formed prompt and even less leveraged than a, a validated insight packaged in a way that you know is going to hit right at the heart of the need of your ideal client put into the same channel, right? So I love it, man. You really added to my thinking there. Awesome. I love it too. It's a real, I'm, I'm excited about this language. We'll have another conversation again in the future as we both go forward, kind of testing it out a little bit. You're way ahead of me on that. But um, I want to, I want to double into, you used the word skill set a minute ago. Um, several minutes ago, you mentioned you found yourself in semi-formal and even informal evangelist roles as you were probing, what am I really good at? What do I care about? What do I love doing? How do I find myself being tasked with these things? Or why do I find myself compelled or obsessed to do these things? Talk a little bit about the skill set as you see it, um, as you found yourself. And even if you didn't have the language for it at the time, I mean, you mentioned, I bet you didn't have the language of evangelism as you're going to all those nonprofits talking about sea level rise. Um, but you were aware of the strength or the skill or the passion around it. Like when you think about the core skill set, um, what are a couple of its elements? Yeah, ah, curiosity for sure, right? Um, it's funny, man, because my first languaging around it was the Chief Executive Connector, which was the original name of my podcast. But I think the first time that you came on it, it was still called that, right? Uh, until I realized what the evangelism role had already won the dominant design. The, the skill set, Ethan, is is really, you could be confused for a salesperson. You could be confused for a marketer. Uh, you could also be confused for, you know, being a great leader. And and yet, you don't really fully identify with any of it, right? Like, it's you you see yourself more as a, as somebody that likes to promote great ideas and unify people around it. And, you know, I, I, I guess this isn't 100% true, right? Because Jen Allen is obviously a phenomenal salesperson and a phenomenal evangelist. So she could definitely sell. But, but for me, it was, it was this skill set of being very motivated by influence and communication and yet never really wanting to be the person that was talking you into something as much as the person that really felt that you can motivate people by aligning interests with them and showing them, you know, how this thing is good for everybody and, and, and validating them. So 
the idea of curiosity, passion, I, I, I have yet to see a, a chief evangelist that isn't a pretty energetic person to a certain extent. Um, so, so you have to have some of that in you and, and you have to love words and people. I, I would stop short of saying that you have to be an extrovert, but I think you do have to be, you have to really be empathetic and really care about the person in front of you and, and be true to this idea of wanting to see the world from the person's perspective that you want to, that you are trying to talk to as opposed to trying to get them to see your worldview. I would, I would kind of self-identify as all those things. Yeah, I really like it. You gave me the vision um, of, let's just say on the inside of the door is the movement, generally speaking. Um, and the movement is driven by the POV um, or informed or kind of motivated by it. Like that is why there is the movement. And the evangelist is essentially at the door, holding it open, scanning the people going by the door and striking up conversations with the ones that seem to fit. Uh, perhaps in some spare time, putting up a sign so that people know that there's a movement inside, but like opening the door and welcoming people and encouraging people, um, helping people decide whether or not they should come in. And if so, for how long and at what depth, you know, like you gave me this visual of like, it's not, it's not now in my mind, it's the Walmart greeter. It's not that. It's the, it's the, it's someone who knows everything about what's inside, can field a lot of the questions on the outside, can perhaps compel, motivate, not persuade, but compel people that they should maybe be thinking in the particular way that would make coming inside interesting or useful to them. Yeah. My, my head keeps going to the person that helps you understand if you belong and Very understanding good. what belonging means and who that's appropriate for and being able to lubricate that stuff. Yeah. Um, quick, uh, quick sideline here. You, that's part of the title of Mark Schaefer's book. Again, I was oh, reading yeah. it and I didn't know you were going to be in it. Like you, it's not like you sent out, sent out messages to your friends being like, Hey, I want to be in the book. Um, just quick note on how that came together. Again, for folks listening, this is Mark Schaefer's book. I believe it's called belonging somewhere in the subtitle is why uh, community is the last great marketing strategy. And I'm, I'm reading this book and I see Pablo Gonzalez in there. And I was like, that's freaking awesome. I got to reach out to him. How did that come together? It was a total evangelist story. So the book's called Belonging to the Brand. Um, and yeah, the exact subtitle that you said. And that, that came together in the typical way that things come together for me, man. <laughs> you know, it was, I know that, I knew that. After reading Marketing Rebellion, I was like, oh my God, Schaefer's like all in on community. And I thought that that was his book on community. But I started getting kind of like traces of, I think his next big project is specifically about community. And then at some point on LinkedIn, he posted, hey, does anybody have an example of a thriving brand community that isn't a big Fortune 500 retail brand or a tech company? And two people tagged me in it, that new Schaefer, right? And there was people that I've met through the podcasting community and through networking circles and, and whatnot tagged me in it. And coincidentally, we had just finished having the biggest meetup that we have had for the Not Your Average Investor Show community for the Turnkey Rental Property Investing Company. And we had just finished producing this like awesome two-minute video 
that's obvious that we have a thriving community of people that love the stuff that we're doing. So I just popped in on the LinkedIn comment that tagged me and said, hey, um, thank you for tagging me on this. I've been really trying to like crack this thing for eight years. And this this video here is a um, evidence of three years of community building for this company that we have generated over $40 million for per year off of this channel. I'd love to talk. So he reached out to me and I got on a Zoom call with him. He's like, tell me a story, man. And I was like, buddy, I got a story for you, man. Told him the whole story from like my brother's funeral through this this thing. And um, he's like, you're right. You got a great story. That's making the book. It was awesome. It was a total pinch me moment, man. Yeah, that's cool. And it, it's neat too, because, you know, like so many folks who've been on the show, and I know you know this, you fit in this camp too, is like, you're an evangelist before you knew that you're an evangelist and you were doing community. Um, you know, it obviously is in the subtitle of uh, B2B community builder. Um, but I have a feeling you were community oriented before that was maybe even language that you had for it. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, my, my, my quick backstory is that I, I was very belonging oriented because I'm the most American person in my family. And my first formative memory is walking into preschool as the only kid that didn't speak English and desperately wanted to belong learning English because you do that as a young kid and you know it's like language then moving to Spain and enrolling in a British academy where I thought I would know Spanish and English but again went home crying because I didn't understand either dialect which then shaped me as this kid that always needed to belong and have people and made me gregarious and kind of like as I matured through my teenage years became very into like how do I manipulate people up until my late 20s, and I grew up as like the funny guy up until my late 20s, early 30s, when I got really involved in charities in Miami, building these different nonprofit groups for different charities. And very quickly, I noticed two things. One was that the most influential people in town are on the boards of charities, and they all say that they got there by helping people. And two, my Ace Ventura shtick was no longer working in a room full of like bank directors and politicians that weren't pumped about like how zany goofy I could be. So I needed to find another way to get value. And I realized that it, it was less about using my skill set of making myself seem compelling and interesting and use my skill set of making you feel like the most compelling, interesting person in the room. And that's when everything kind of changed for me and followed those breadcrumbs through now, understanding community and all. Yeah. How, um, I love that arc, by the way, really well done. That was very compact and you covered decades of your life. That's great. Um, and it all makes sense. Um, and again, this is the idea of content leverage, right? Like I know a lot more about you. Like, I mean, you and I, you and I have spent hours on zoom together. We spent hours in person, like maybe a few weeks ago, a month ago. Mm -hmm. And there were nuggets in there that I wasn't familiar with that now make a lot of these things that I do know about you make more sense. That's that's content leverage. And it goes back to this idea of how you introduce yourself. Really well done. Um, okay. So, so we've talked a little bit about evangelizing before you were, you would consider yourself an evangelist community just as kind of a default mode really. And then essentially a way to get things done in the context of some of the work that you were doing. Um, where did, where did category come in for you? What excited you about it? And where does it, I, I know I'm asking a lot here, so it's not, you don't have to do all this in one pass, but like where I want to go over the next few minutes is, um, you know, 
category design, evangelism, community. I think most people who are in touch with one or two of those things, and I think evangelism and community, at least on this show, is much more common than category uh, and evangelism, although that has come up a handful of times, um, like for, for deep conversation. The way that they triangulate, I think most people can see, uh, but I'd like to know for you, when did you first get turned on to category design? What was exciting about it for you? And was part of the excitement the fact that it does triangulate with these things that were also kind of natural to you? I first got turned on to category design when I read Play Bigger, like most people, and that was early January 2020. And what excited me about it is that I've been obsessed with influence my whole life, right? Like if you look in my in my bookcase, Robert Cialdini's influence and, and like how brains work and all this stuff. I've been reading this long before marketing was a, a, a term that I identified with or knew what it was at all. And in reading Play Bigger, it felt to me like the best framework for influence at an industrial scale that I have ever heard about. And the final chapter of Play Bigger, where they touch on your like personal category design in your career, read like my career, right? Like it just talked of people that name their own title wherever they go and, you know, blah, 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 and this. And as soon as it finished, as soon as I finished that book, I was just, it was right at the point where my business had reached like a certain critical mass and I had my first, like it was, I, I landed this um, turnkey rental property investing company December of 2019, right? So it was like, right as I was like getting some serious work done and, and had a book of clients and whatnot, and I immediately started trying to reverse engineer what I learned in that book into like teaching my clients and creating these like POV frameworks and different things just, just from that book. And I didn't, I wasn't able to find people to really bounce this off of for about a year and a half, except for everybody that I met that I told them about this book, that I gave them this book. And I was like, let's talk about this thing. Right. So um, within it was, you know, like because it does read like my career, that last chapter, there is elements of community and there is elements of all these different things. And what really rung true to me is my first my first thought leadership stuff that I really started putting out, which was when I was leaving Miami, I kind of threw my own goodbye party. Right. Like I was like, I don't know when the next time I'm going to get to be on stages. And I was doing a lot of this because I was part of all these nonprofits. I essentially had one of my nonprofits host me to give my own little like goodbye TED talk. And I phrased it as this is my goodbye speech. Um, that's going to talk about the value of networking and being civically engaged in order to backfill all my positions that I'm leaving in, in all these charities. Right. And one of the things that I realized in thinking deeply about what was working for me was this idea of evangelizing a problem. Right. The idea that I've, I rarely walk into once I once I realized it's not about me, it's about you, um, I no longer walk into rooms trying to think like, how, how can I look cool instead of like, how can I come up with something that people care about to talk about? And that just really rung true to me. So then the whole framework around it for, for influence, right, was, was something I became very, very obsessed with until, you know, eventually I unearthed Lockhead's like podcast, which then got me an intro to Ruji. Which then, quite frankly, was a, a big moment, right? Like, because that is when I got introduced to Ruji was when I started paying attention to you and BombBomb, because at the time he was ahead of category design with you. 
And I started seeing how your role would, I started thinking on how your world, your role, because I had never heard that before, would work in concert with category design. And I saw that you had a couple of different titles around community. And that's what really prompted my thinking around this like triangle of category design being the the approach, the strategy, the languaging, what is, you know, the content itself is is done in the framework through the lens of category design. The chief evangelist then becomes this person that is out there evangelizing the point of view and and the Pied Piper of this thing, getting people to follow along with them. And as he's doing that, this receptacle is this community. And as the, you know, like as that community grows, that, you know, if you pair those three things, that allows you to refine the point of view better, which allows you to evangelize better, which allows you to bring more people into the community. And that becomes the flywheel around the way that I believe that we are moving towards and in, in building great companies. Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect, Engage, Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of chief evangelists, let's get back to it. That was very nicely done, uh, especially the the community piece at the end. And again, it, it, you reminded me of this idea of the evangelist standing at an open, holding the door open and, and helping people understand whether or not um, they belong inside and if so why and how and in these types of things I, I think there's a very clear vision um and i also appreciate that you have these other experiences including um the work that you're doing with that investor group the real estate uh investing opportunity um as a model that already kind of existed as you were kind of putting this together um because i can see all those elements in the way that you describe that yeah, man, it's all, this is a kind of like a out-of-body experience for me to talk about all this stuff because I am listening to myself and I'm like, wow, all this stuff actually really just like lines up very sequentially, but it all comes from where we started, Ethan. It all comes from this idea of being the tip of the spear and interacting with the market at large and iterating through points of view to then create content leverage of how I talk about it. And then eventually I put two and two together and I realized that, hey, I can do this in a room and go, you know, handshake to handshake, iterating content. Eventually also, you know, you talk about the person that, that's, the, that's opening the door, letting people in, but that person also then gets on the stage and welcomes people and then maybe moderates a panel. And sometimes that person has also given a keynote, right? Um, so thinking of content as that inside of rooms to then understanding that, oh, wait a minute. So LinkedIn is this giant like 24-7 conference where I can be doing this thing all the time. And so it's Facebook and so it's whatever, Instagram or, you know, and having a podcast is essentially that stage that I can 
that I can leverage to create this like reunion of things. So the the iteration went from like how I was leveraging very small groups of young professionals and charities to meet the most influential people in town to then leveraging the most influential people in town to 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 give myself credibility and become a business developer to then understanding that um, it all revolves around the stage. And nowadays there's digital stages and the most, you know, the most accessible digital stage is this like podcast kind of motion. And if you can marry those ideas of content leverage and creation around the interaction so you can continue to be tip of the spear inside of a Zoom room, then you have all the ingredients to like cook this thing up and be your own um, watering hole for the thing that you are trying to evangelize. And that's how I've made it into Schaefer's book. You know? Yeah. So really nice. Break down, so so your um break down a little bit the the core like this is not the fun side of it necessarily but you know break down the mechanical side of be the stage perhaps as it was when you first conceived it and then maybe as um as, as you really want it to be like break that down what is it what are you doing for people at a like nuts and bolts level or doing yeah, with people I should say <laughs> With that, um, I, listen. I, I, like I'm, I'm still figuring it out, right? Like yeah. to be perfectly honest, I'm, I, I am still in this perpetual motion of tip of the spear, um, mm-hmm. because when I started be the same, so it went from understanding that if I had a committee of young professionals and I would say, "Hey, board of director, influential person in town, can we host our meeting in your boardroom?" Oh, and by the way, just show up and tell us how you made it in life for 20 minutes, and then afterwards we're gonna go plan a happy hour connecting me to that, to then understanding that I could do that beyond my board of directors to influential people in town because I'm having an event for Habitat for Humanity or Lighthouse for the Blind or whatever, to then understanding that based on those connections, I could now have an event where I would pair a developer and a politician talking about public transport and the developer happens to be somebody that uh, I want to build their project for because I was in construction at the time, to then going and being um, VP of business development for a startup and hosting Zoom events in early 2018, doing the same exact thing, still without the content repurposing piece, um, but understanding that if I could gather the 12 most attractive customers of the customer base and create this like environment where they all become friends and we could all like go back and forth on what's valuable to them and record this stuff, could use this in our digital marketing funnel to lead to a community, eventually leading to events where they where they were on top of it. That that was my big like line of demarcation. And I, I was there at that startup for a year through this program in an environment where the product wasn't really working well, churn was happening left and right. Uh, the founder was mercurial and creating enemies all over the place. We completely turned it around in a year and created this like windfall of insights and revenue. I left that thing at the end of 2018. And in early 2019, I just knew I was gonna figure out my next step. And I took a 90-day purposeful pause um, to kind of like detox. And as an evangelist, I get offered a lot of opportunities. And as a people pleaser, I say yes to everything, right? So my wife was like, instead of like thinking of your next opportunity, why don't you just like take a detox, figure out what's next? So I gave myself that 90 days to just like only think about where I want to be in 10 years. And my, my default was anxiety for not taking action. So I booked four conferences so I could just walk into rooms and be the tip of the spear before I had, you know, that language. 
And every conversation I got into was just like, eh, think about this and what about that and this and that and just iterate, iterate, iterate. Until 90 days later, I came up with this. I want to be the person that proves community creation is the most viable form of business development in this new era. And there, I just kind of like followed followed my intuition of this like motion that we had done at the startup. Um, I knew that content repurposing was a part of it. First couple of clients were a couple of authors. One of them was a world-class content strategist. So I started implementing what I was learning from him into what I then went to pitch to JWB, which is the real estate company. And for the first three years of my company, the vision is, hey, we can we can create this motion of like a live podcast scenario that feeds community, that feeds your content channels, that feeds these insights that you need, repurpose it and plug it into your go-to-market. Um, and that's, you know, that at the base is my recurring service that I do, but I can only really do that because it, it really just still requires my brain on all of it. Um, so I can only really do that for a very small amount of clients. But in doing that for a very small amount of clients, I'm finding that if you can, you know, it, it brought me to, okay, got to do this, but I got to do this through category design, right? And in order to do it through category design, it's got to it's gotta happen. I need an evangelist that is at the head of this company that wants to be the client. And then forcing all these processes that allow me to repurpose content. So essentially, now what Be The Stage is as a company is a content leverage company that is allowing people to create leverage around their point of view that they're trying to evangelize. And we can help you come up with that point of view. And we have ways of doing that and then create the content to leverage that can lead to community. But it continues to rapidly evolve in, in different ways of what I can offer while I while I keep my recurring service to a very small handful of people. And I'm what I'm expecting is that eventually I'm going to unlock different insights that allow things to scale. But for right now, I've just get to do what I love to do, which is continue to explore this concept. Yeah, this is great. I, you make me think about a variety of things. Um, I guess maybe we're doing biz dev together for your business. Yeah, uh, I guess. Or, or at least strategic development. But yeah. it makes me, one one question I have is, you know, I, I feel like um, with JWR, you became at some level the default evangelist because you were hosting the show. You were helping, I mean, I don't know how much you were helping select. Oh, actually, actually, time out. I'm going way too far ahead. I want to catch people up really quickly. I mean, yeah. just, you know, state things that you and I probably take for granted. Mm -hmm. Um. Not because we're geniuses, but we live in this. And so, you know, it's easy for us to like blow by this. So you are helping people create live virtual events. And by that, you can break out of geography um, where you're probably inviting the people that you want to be in relationship with, whether that's a potential customer or somebody else you want to be in relationship with. You're sharing that is the stage. You're sharing that stage with people you want to be in relationship with. You're learning from them. You're highlighting them. Uh, you're giving them, again, that gift of your stage or your platform while you're also building this relationship, becoming very good friends with them, learning how they see the world, creating the opportunity to have follow-up conversations. And then also from a construction or deconstruction standpoint, I should say, giving yourself the opportunity to repurpose a lot of that content in a variety of different ways that then furthers all of these other things. Um, is that about right? Yeah, yeah, really well said. The one thing that I would add to that is the the live virtual events gets it it has to be part of another 
it, it becomes part of a podcast, right? So whether it is yes. JWB that we do two live events a week, and that's the podcast always, to what we do with another client of mine where they have weekly podcasts, but every other week is live, to what we do with another client that's like once a month live and the rest weekly. But, you know, an ongoing series that incorporates a virtual event so that you can have that interactive feedback loop. Got it. And I got JWB wrong a minute ago. I'm sorry about that. Um, so, so you became essentially the default evangelist with them because, because, because you didn't realize maybe that it needed to be an identified role. And so even the, this idea of helping people identify the evangelist skill set, who's maybe been doing it by default, um, can we find a way to leverage their time and other responsibilities in a way that allows them to be the one at the hub of this to have that direct relationship, right? Because that's a big part of doing shows, whether it's live or recorded, like that relationship you build with the people that you're hosting in addition to the people in the community is a thing. And so whether you call that person an evangelist or not, that role, I think, becomes part of your engagement with the next client so that you don't wind up being their evangelist. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, I don't think it's too far from being their mascot either, right? Like the, yeah. the difference between I referred to myself as a human mascot before in this context. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And and to to the to the ongoing, you know, validation of what you talk about on the show, it it becomes a very high trust position, right? Like when when we first when we first got into this thing, it was a matter of they they needed somebody to make the person that they wanted to have as the, you know, it's their four partners. And one of them is, one of them is the one that's like client facing, right? And Greg is his name. And he just needed somebody to make it easy for him. And in order to make it easy for him, it had to, somebody had to come up with like the formula of how to do it all. But he also wanted someone to be there and not have to think of what the next show is going to be. And you know, it just, it started from that as like somebody that just facilitated the conversation and it's evolved to last week. I literally gave two, like uh, over the, over the weekend, I went to a realtor convention to give a, like a total POV speech for JWB about the opportunity of how Jacksonville is this growing market. And if a realtor knows these stats, then you're going to be much more interesting. And oh, by the way, when you do that, you're going to attract investors. If you attract investors, send them this way to, um, a dinner that was hosted for the Duval County Medical Society where my Greg, who, by the way, has become my best friend, is um, he just had a surgery and he couldn't go. So I went to the Duval County Medical Society to talk about, like, the future of Jacksonville and how to invest in real estate. Like, they're fully implementing me as, as the evangelist. And he sees me as that. It's not an official title. I'm still an outside contractor to his company. But, yeah, I, I now have the trust of being able to, like, speak for them on stage because I was able to do it online for so long and back to the skill set, prove that I am obsessed with finding the inf the the front of the park content leverage too, right? Like it's it's like my my ability to the fact that I text Greg at like 630 in the morning, like, yo man, uh cash growth portfolio, I think this is it, you know, and and continue. And when I went to Denver, I went from Garden of Gods with you to Bill Green's house, who lives uh, outside of Denver, who is an avid follower and watcher of the show, to go hang out with a guy because I want to go interact with him and like and find out about things, right? So it's you know I, I I it's it's the combination of like that natural kind of like disposition towards it 
and the skill set. Yeah, really well done there. And uh, especially the level up, by the way, you're evangelizing the all the attractive qualities of Jacksonville, which is the precursor to the solution. Right? To like it's, to it's buy not even, yeah. You're not advocating for the for the business model, even in that scenario. I mean, you just so you just there's a whole nother ramp into it depending on the audience. And so multiple POVs for multiple audiences, I, I think, is where we go here. Um, does that mean anything to you? 100 percent, man. Yeah. Multiple POVs. Listen, as somebody that is a uh, a born evangelist, I'm always trying to think of like, what's the POV to get you into it? But, you know, mo more than anything, it's just like, what's the bat signal that's going to attract this type of bat? Like if I'm trying to attract a realtor bat, it's different to give me referrals. It's different than the um, the doctor bat that I want to, you know, like see themselves as being able to like not have to go work for a hospital system by investing in real estate. It's just, but none of it is, look how great we are at this thing. It's, hey, look at this opportunity that's out there that fits with your, that, that aligns with your incentives. And if you believe that, then I, I believe that too. And I believe that the best way to get there is through these certain conditions. And oh, by the way, this, you know, this suffices those conditions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess the POV doesn't change. Maybe it's a, um, a slightly different ingredient or a different element that you highlight based on the different audiences. Yeah. Um, okay. Now it's really interesting. The example that you brought up, it is innovation in a form. I would assume that, that this is not like a super common, incredibly well-known model for investing or certainly even investing from a retirement perspective, which is a subset of investing. Um, People have been investing in property and in real estate for a long time, but this like it has so many unique elements that I think it is innovative. Um, I guess my last kind of like broad question for you is, you know, one of the ways that I talk about this with people that aren't familiar with any of the ideas that we've covered over the last 45 or 50 minutes um, is that innovation is the crux. Like where there is no innovation, you probably don't need evangelism. There probably isn't category opportunity. You might be able to create a community, but now you're very often talking more about a customer community than kind of a movement style community. Where, like, have you, as people have engaged you on these themes and topics, have you said, ah, oh, yeah, maybe this isn't for you? Like, do you yeah. identify that innovation is a thing? Now, innovation could take a lot of forms, um, but I think there are people this isn't for. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you that if you're not innovating, you generally don't need to be evangelizing. Another way to say that is that if you don't need to generate demand, then you're not really going to be evangelizing. You'd just be capturing demand. And what I look for, again, going back to my co-founders at Category Thinkers, is the category formula, right? They're, the formula for a, a category to be justified is that there's a change of context that creates a missing that then allows for an innovation. And, you know, your Bruji just shared this with me while we were in Denver together is this idea that he spends his, the way that he sharpens his blade is he opens up the Wall Street Journal and just keeps going until he sees a change of context. And then he's just like always looking for changes of context, right? So there it is. I agree with you. There has to be some kind of innovation. And in the world that we're in right now, uh, context is changing all the time. To to give you the the JWB example, 
what they did is they made it completely passive. They're the only company that has completely vertically integrated everything from land acquisition to construction to remodeling to property management to portfolio management, all the way to the point where they have, um, you know, it's essentially like buying a bond, but you get a cash flowing rental property that you own yourself. Um, that you never have to worry about except for a phone call a month, all the way to the point where they are, they just recently purchased 20 city blocks of downtown Jacksonville because they know that if they can raise the median income by making downtown a more livable place, every the 5,000 properties that they have around it are is going gonna, is gonna to go up in value, right? So it's like, that's the innovation. The innovation is like completely, you know, taking all these elements away from, to make to make it clearer, right? The innovation is, taking the real estate conversation from I need to be in a room of real estate people to show them that I'm the best real estate investor to I want to be in a room of investors that aren't real estate, that I can show them that they can invest in real estate without being real estate investors. That's what they innovate. Yep. And all the little problems and hitches and details, we've already got that because we have the, you know, we've, we've thought the whole stack from start to finish, and this is going to be really easy and nice for you. Correct. Awesome. Pablo, this has been so fun. Uh, I always enjoy talking with you, uh, whether it's recorded or not. And we've recorded a couple of our conversations before. Uh, this time it's on a show that I host. Um, so thank you for guesting with me. Um, and you know how this ends. And it ends with something you evangelize in your own personal life. I do know how it ends. Uh, before, I, before I say this last thing, I got to say, um, am I the only one reaching out to Ethan because this is the best podcast ever? Like, if you listen to this podcast, like, leave a review, right? Like, it's so easy to just put like a like a five star review and leave and leave Ethan a little bit of love because he was just telling me how he spent all weekend working on it. And uh, if you don't do it, you're a jerk. So, what I eventualized. Can I add one more thing there too? <laughs> yeah, this show a doesn't have very many. I'm looking. I'm thinking about Apple Podcasts. Uh, it doesn't have very many ratings. And a couple people came and bombed it. I think they were expecting a religious show. And they just straight bombed it. And so, like, there's no reason to bomb a show like this if you care about these ideas at all. So I think it was, like, um, they didn't know that this was a role or a thing. And so uh, I just offer that to say, definitely need that rating from you. Yeah, yeah. If you've been listening to these episodes, you've heard a couple of these and you like them. Just hit that, uh, hit that rating thing. I appreciate that that call out, Pablo. Please, please. So apart from evangelizing, rating Ethan's podcast and Ethan's podcast in general, um, I have a, you know, I have, I've, I've long talked about this idea that I have these like three personal KPIs, and one of them is my evangelist KPI, right? Which I have just recently recoined it thanks to this show. Um, but I, I, I track. I track, you know, like my physical one is how many times a week I'm surfing. My like, um, my, my like spiritual one is how often I get somebody to reach out to me, uh, to like bounce off an idea that they really, really care about. And the third one, my evangelist KPI is how many times I get a friend reach out to me and tell me that they bought a reusable water bottle because they can't continue listening to me evangelizing how abhorrent single use plastic is. And how much easier it is for you to just buy a reusable water bottle and save yourself from like putting all this plastic in the ocean and in landfills because every piece of plastic ever created is still here on earth and it's probably in the ocean. It's probably in your, in your food supply. So buy a reusable water bottle, um, refill it at airports and save yourself $5 for water and make a friend at the, 
a refillable water bottle station because you're smarter than everybody else there. Um, and it's just a really, really easy thing to do. So that is the thing that I evangelize the most is this idea that we can do these very small things to, to help our, um, help be more sustainable that don't really hurt and are easy for you. And number one is buy yourself a reusable water bottle. Love it. Uh, we share so much uh, around these themes. I mean, uh, love of nature, exposure to nature, but then also just this practical side of it, uh, which is let's not trash the place while we're here uh, for our own benefit. And for those behind us, I, I remember I dug out some statistics about all the places microplastics have been found for chapter one of human centered communication. And it is, um, it's literally everywhere, including you know, the depths of the ocean, as well as in the blood supply of an infant inside a mother's womb. Microplastics are everywhere. What Pablo said, that's what I'm saying. What Pablo said, I visualize that too. Get a reusable water bottle. Stop throwing stuff away. Yeah, it is an easy thing to do. Um, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. If someone got here, I know they want to connect with you and perhaps be part of your KPIs. That's not going to be their motivation, but it might turn out that way. Yeah. Um, so where would you send people to connect with you? You know, Ethan, the, the thing is being Pablo Gonzalez is like the John Smith of people that have six kids and name them all after themselves. It's just like what, what, my, what my culture does. So I like to test this thing out. If you search, I can send you to LinkedIn, but you're going to have to battle through a thousand Pablo Gonzalez's. I am pretty certain that if you put Pablo Gonzalez in your podcast search engine, it's going to lead you to one of my shows. It's going to lead you to B2B Community Builder Show, the Not Your Average Investor Show, or the Category Thinker Show. And I say that, um, number one, because I want to continue that test. And if you find those shows, you're going to find a way to click the direct link to my LinkedIn and reach out to me there. But I also say that because in my perpetual evangelism, I really think that the audio medium is still an attractive piece of real estate to plant your flag on. For the fact that I'm able to rank in like a in in a in in the in the in the Apple podcast or the Spotify algorithm for a name like Pablo Gonzalez and be a top five result with just a little bit of you know just the last three years of podcasting, I think is really telling. And anybody that's listening to this that has an evangelist skill set, you know, whether you're gonna whether you're gonna go work with like Ringmaster, who I think does a great job on this show, or start your own thing, or you wanna do a live with Be the Stage. I think looking at podcasting as the flywheel to like kind of like build your stage on is a really serious thing to do. So uh, look for me as Pablo Gonzalez with a Z at the end in whatever you just listened to this podcast. With. Awesome. And that's right before or right after you click that five stars. Please. You're awesome. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, appreciate you. And thanks for spending this time with all of us. Right. I got you, man. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. -E -E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.